0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events while supplies last, make every tap
1: music to your ears.
0: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products? wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to tirerackcom colin. tirerack.com, the way tire buying should be.
1: The volume.
0: Hi everybody and welcome in Kevin Clark from The Ringer. We'll stop by for a 20-minute chat on our Tuesday morning podcast. It is great to be here. There's some college football news today that I want to discuss. Three things. Number one, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey says the entire playoff structure, which is going to expand to 12 teams in 2024, needs to be reconsidered because of expansion. And I absolutely agree. This is what I have proposed, and this is what I believe is the truth of the playoff structure. I think it needs to go to 16, 18, to 24 teams. I think there is so much money left on the table in college football because of so many of these dreary, small-town bowls that nobody attends, nobody really wants to play in. It's just a way to get practices for some of these coaches that you know, half of them, nobody shows up to the games. They're awful. They're optically bad. Players could get hurt. Great players going to the NFL don't want to play in them. Get rid of those things. I think we now have to consider not just 12 teams, but 16 to 18, because I think college football needs to take a page from college basketball and have a dramatic, long playoff scenario to cap off the season. It's the icing to the cake. College basketball's primary issue is the cake isn't very good anymore. The best players don't want to play college basketball. And if they do, it's briefly one year and they're gone. College football will maintain a high level of integrity and competitiveness and quality because you have to stay in college football minimum three years. Most players stay four, some even five with redshirting. So, I mean, you see some of these quarterbacks coming out. They're 24, 25 years old now. And so the quality of college football will remain high. I've never bought into this argument that it'll kill college football rivalries. Really, Auburn, Alabama, both know they're getting into a 12 to 16 team playoff. You're not going to watch the game in Alabama. That won't, that game won't mean anything. You'll just skip it and go to the Falcons Saints game in Atlanta the next day. That's so stupid. You love college football or you don't, rivalries will always matter. Duke Carolina is still a great rivalry, and we know they could meet again and again and again down the road. It doesn't matter. Great is great. So Greg Sankey, who is the most powerful person in college football, the SEC commissioner, says, hey, we're, we're expanding all these conferences. Let's reconsider the playoff structure. I'm all for it. What the SEC has done better than any conference, they've been willing to evolve, be aggressive, annually and Greg's right. Secondly, Jim Harbaugh self-imposed three-game suspension at Michigan. We heard it was going to be four, right? And then Harbaugh and his guys couldn't agree with it, right? Then it was none, now it's back to three. The NCAA has always been fairly toothless. Uh they depend on the reporting of newspapers and media to uh upend programs. They really don't have the ability, very rarely, the staffing, or the ability to go into a program and monitor these closely. And now with name, image, and likeness, what's cheating? Uh, Harbaugh can be a difficult personality. He's strong-willed. He's forceful. And he's not going to get pushed around by anybody. I think in the end, this is probably self-imposed three-game suspension. It's probably those are weak games. Michigan will roll. Big picture, is that Harbaugh's just not somebody you can push around? When his athletic director a couple of years ago asked him to take a pay cut, what did he do? Upended the staff, interviewed with the NFL teams, and has had back to back great seasons. So big, willful personalities are not to be effed with. And Harbaugh is not gonna go quietly into the night because you didn't like his answer when you're the NCAA, the toothless NCAA. I will always defend these coaches. They have to run these programs, deal with nonsense from the NCAA, deal with boosters. Yes, they're highly compensated, but there's a reason they're highly compensated. They create $90, $100 million in annual revenue to athletic departments. So Michigan's athletic department has been revamped due to Jim Harbaugh's recent success There's a total momentum shift. There's a total cultural shift. It is a great day to be a Wolverine. These days, not so much a Buckeye. That's because of Jim Harbaugh. I think the self-imposed penalty is probably the way to go about it. But we're learning time and time again. Don't try to push around Harbaugh. He's going to have a strong opinion. Another story. Jen Cohen, the highly capable athletic director at the University of Washington, has taken the job at USC. Several years ago, a trustee at USC asked me to write a list of people he thought were capable of being the athletic director at USC. I actually did not write down Mike Bone. I didn't know him. I wrote down six or seven athletic directors, two in the Big Ten, two in the SEC. One of them was Jen Cohen at Washington. Highly capable. And so now she finally gets the USC job. They have wanted Jen Cohen for years. The challenge Jen Cohen will face is one that Pete Carroll never had to face. LA is now, the economy's never been bigger because of Silicon Valley. Pete Carroll did not face two NFL teams. The market wasn't nearly as distracted. The Lakers were great. The Clippers were a doormat. The Clippers are now viable. The Lakers are still viable. The Dodgers have never been more popular. LAFC in town. People now, because of Silicon Valley and the net worth it has created to many people in Southern California, people travel more, have second homes, some third. It's harder to get people into the Coliseum. That's why they shrunk the profile of it. They dropped off 90,000. Fans down to 75,000. They realized it. They weren't going to fill it anymore. Uh, they also realized they had to go big on the coach. It wasn't just that Clay Helton was struggling. They had to go big on the coach. So there's real challenges inside that building. LA is not even a nice town like Ann Arbor, Austin, Texas. California's the biggest economy in the country. It pulled away from the rest of the country, New York State and Texas during COVID. And there's just a lot to do here. 90-minute drive north or south. I think Jen Cohen's struggles will be things that have culturally changed in the city. A more distracted fan base. Uh, You know, a lot of guys have to choose Saturday or Sundays. You know, if you're in a relationship and uh you're, you're big football fans and one of the other people are not as big a football fans, you don't get Saturday or Sunday. And so now you have, you know, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Rams, Chargers games. Uh, There's just more to do in Los Angeles. So I, I think... You know, UCLA is going through some of these struggles with name, image, likeness, money. Is that you're asking boosters for more and more money. USC is now building a $300 million football facility, uh, getting rid of the old one, which was really nice. And it feels like they just built. But, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley needs a new facility. There's something contractually uh, which allows him to ask for that. So now you're asking people who have got a lot of distractions. This is not the biggest game in town. The Lakers and the Dodgers are bigger. This is not a small college town. It's not even a medium-sized college town like Ann Arbor. So I think, I think Jen Cohen and anybody running USC, um, it's a challenge. Doesn't mean it can't be accomplished, but asking for money, even in a rich city, uh, is not easy when there are so many other options. The new movie, Gran Turismo, is based on an unbelievable true story about a team of unlikely underdogs, a struggling working-class gamer, a failed race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport executive. Together, they risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. It's a great, compelling story. It's some of the most famous racing competitions in the world, and They are recreated through the use of actual Nissan GTs and practical effects. It's really cool. It's really a movie that needs to be seen on the big screen. A lot of action. Really intense. It's an inspiring, uplifting, action-packed story that proves that nothing in life is impossible. Gran Turismo, based on a true story, exclusively in movie theaters this Thursday. Get your tickets today, rated PG-13. All right, you know him. You have to. It's essential. Kevin Clark, senior football writer, analyst at The Ringer, host of the Slow News Day podcast, a friend of the herd. So I'm going to throw something at you. Uh, years ago, I'm not I'm not sure who said this. It could have been Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> he talked about, uh, he called it the comedy jet stream. Mm. Seattle, Minneapolis, Boston, like New York, this northeast sort of maybe a little higher brow, sort mm-hmm. of a lot of times, you know, this educated understanding, we get the joke. And and I think it was Seinfeld or somebody said, people are funnier in places where the weather's lousy because you know, <laughs> life's too easy. It's life's too easy in Miami, Tampa and Phoenix, right? It's always right. sunny. And so I've always had a little bit of a theory that in the North, Northern football team, Chicago, mm-hmm. Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, even the Giants teams, the Parcells teams—you know that very successful Super Bowl—they were tough. Phil McConkey, Mark Bavaro, and Chicago. I always think about this. It's almost hard to explain how Chicago can never have had a great quarterback. It doesn't. It's ridiculous. And you think to yourself, why? And and my theory is that some of these kind of cold weather towns. They have romanticized defense yes. and toughness. And, and, and it's not that, and I think Chicago's had multiple options in their franchise history to draft a quarterback, and they went for the rush end or the Mike linebacker. And that it's a somewhat explainable why Chicago, I can't even name their best receiver ever, Alshon Jeffrey. Like it's, it's you know, so my, my takeaway is when I look at Chicago this year, we may finally have a dynamic quarterback for the bears i'm I'm hoping so but that's my theory on the bears inability to land one great quarterback ever is it is it horseshit do you buy it
1: i buy it first of all do you know who the single season passing leader is for the chicago bears all time currently 2023 johnny lujak it's eric kramer 1995 (laughs) 3,838 yards. They have never had a 4,000-yard passer in an era where you can accidentally do that going – you can walk to the gas station in the NFL right now and accidentally pick up a 4,000-yard season. I mean, that's like asking a town if you have indoor plumbing. Have you had a 4,000-yard quarterback? I mean, it's really easy to do in this era. And the fact that the Bears haven't done it is stunning. Justin Fields, by the way, came out and said he will be the first 4,000-yard quarterback over the season on a podcast. Maybe that was tongue-in-cheek. I don't know, but I would hope so. Um, there's a high floor here. I interviewed Justin Fields a couple months ago. I said, does it put more pressure on you, the fact that there have been b- these big misses and that you, they passed on Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, all these guys who could have been quote-unquote franchise saviors? And he said, it's not my fault. That this happened, and I thought that was exactly the way to do it, and not not. And I think he liked his expectations. He said to me that, however high the fans' expectations are, his are higher, which I think is the exact way to do it. And there's a floor here that I think the people say, "Oh well, Luke gets you in the offensive staff. They've got a lot, uh, a lot of work to do." And I say, no, it's just the opposite. Um, there was a stat last year, Colin, that blew my mind, which is his consecutive games with 50 yards and a touchdown of rushing was the most since Gail Sayers, okay? Gail Sayers. That, 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 <laughs> there's a name that actually was good in their past. And when you have that kind of production on the rushing side, it doesn't take much to open up those passing lanes. I, I think we're going to see a massive step forward. Um, I think that we're going to see... An improved team, and I was I was joking with you a couple of weeks ago, where it's a people saying, "Oh, in the first preseason game, he just gave the ball to to Herbert and and to to DJ Moore, and they did the work." Yeah, good. That's the point. That's the point of what Ryan has been able to do. Uh, the roster is much improved. They had a bunch of money to spend. They spent it. Um, so I I'm I'm expecting a lot. I totally agree with your theory. That I mean, I remember being at a uh, I remember being at a Miami Notre Dame game at Soldier Field, which I don't really want to bring up because Miami lost by five touchdowns, but um, they, uh, as they want to do in the Al golden era. Uh, but I remember just some random bears fan at the concession stand, just arguing about whether or not the 85 bears defense was the best of all time. That's their identity. That's what bears fans want to do. They never want to talk yes. about the quarterback. They always want to talk. As you said, they want Khalil Mack in the first round. They want that kind of guy, the big beef. They want Mike Ditka calling into local radio shows and saying, here's what we're going to do. When you have those sort of voices, they never really go away. Um that's you, know, you see that all the time and, and the opposite I I grew up in Florida when the dolphins have a good quarterback they immediately get Comp to marino. That's in a weird way held them back. Yeah. Um so I just think a a a team can can get buried under its own history and I think that's when you get in trouble sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I think you know when I when I look at this league it's really fundamentally to me there's been a cultural shift and I've seen it in basketball where the power forward went from essential to a complete liability on the floor. Like Tristan Thompson was valuable and you can't play him in a three-year period. Uh, In baseball, it used to be Dave Kingman. You don't remember Dave probably. He was like a six, six, six home run hitter who struck out a bunch. He would be Cody Bellinger today. He was viewed as a complete liability. Um, Now it's the ground ball. And in the NFL, if you look at the, the top spending teams on defense—it's Buffalo, it's Pittsburgh, it's the Chargers. Mm-hmm. It's this—you know—it's these defensive coaches. And I've said this before: is you'd have to really convince me to hire a defensive coach in the NFL. So you recently did an article uh, coming out on the Bengals, mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting when everybody was bailing initially on Zach Taylor. My mm-hmm. takeaway was no, no. no. It's the right side of the ball. You just can't win in this league with an old Andy Dalton or whoever it is. And <laughs> the minute he gets Burrow, yeah. he completely embraces him. Flores struggled with Tua. Mm-hmm. Zimmer with Kirk Cousins. Pete a little with Russell. Belichick with Mac. I find when the coach is offensive, there is a happier, more joyful experience. Offense is celebrated. Mistakes are tolerated. Mm -hmm. Like I feel the locker room feels different. What was your vibe from Cincinnati?
1: It was unbelievable because it's not just Taylor, it's Burrow, it's Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, and there's no football ego there. And Colin, we've talked about this before, but if you're gonna have a culture changer like Joe Burrow, the number the number one step is to let him change the culture. And there are coaches who would say, No, 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 this is my show. Zach Taylor didn't do that, he adapted the offense. In myriad ways, I mean, at one point in 2019, some of the coaches were saying they were trying to run the McVay outside zone stuff. They were terrible at it. They gave up on it. Joe Burrow <laughs> comes in and says, you know what? We're going to do this, this, and this. I want to get five guys into routes. They said, great. And what the piece that I did that I reported on, I spent a long time talking to the coaches and Tyler Boyd and Tee Higgins and some of these guys down in Cincinnati. Basically, the angle was... They've mastered the easy play because last year, NFL defense is sold out to take away the deep ball. Um, And basically, his deep ball numbers were halved last year. It went from 13 touchdowns to seven. Guess what? He was a great quarterback anyway because there's no football ego on that staff or even from Joe Burrow. And, and, And I think that what's interesting is that modern defense dares you to be uncool. They say, you know what? go ahead and do whatever you want to do, but it's going to be a check down to P. Ryan. It's going to be a check down to Joe Mixon. It's going to be a check down to Hayden Hurst. And it's not going to be a 50-yard bomb to Jamar Chase. And Joe Burrow said, deal, great, we're going to do it. And that's why they were able to win last year, especially after week five, I basically at halftime, of a week five game against Baltimore and they started to make those changes but that's not normal um, Mahomes said it took him a couple of months to figure out to just have that patience have that foresight and what Taylor told me was basically he'll check Burrow will check down and say you know what I know Jamar might be open 50 yards down the field doesn't matter because 10 yards wide open is great he, he gassed Buffalo out like that with Hayden Hurst and some of the backs out of the backfield they doubled their uh their targets to running backs last year and I think what we're seeing is I thought Brian Callahan the OC said something really interesting he said, it's a type of football maturity unfolding in front of our eyes. It's just him saying, "This is what I have in front of me this year. I'm not going to force it, even though I have the three. I have the best receiving core in football. Doesn't matter. I'm going to let those guys run downfield, open up the rest of the the, uh, the defense for me. I think that's really astounding. Because Colin, as you know, like w- when a young quarterback, a young quarterback is almost like a boxer, right? Their career changes so much from year to year. Style, you know, uh, one fight can change your entire trajectory. All of this stuff. And so to go through. A Year where you're not doing the things that you're used to and you're not going. And the chemistry between Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow is as good as any two young players I've ever seen in my entire life. And the stories that 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 Chase told me last year about how Burrow will underthrow a deep ball because he knows he can throw in a double coverage and all of this stuff, it's crazy. And they say, you know what, I'm just not going to do that this year. Um, that to me is a sign of a guy who's going to adapt every single year of his career. And by the way, now that he's successful for it the deep ball opens back up. And that's the most amazing thing, and they can do it again. So the fact that Burrow's on the cutting edge of this chess match shows me that not only is Zach Taylor a good coach, not only is Brian Brian Callan a good OC, but that Joe is capable of anything on the football field.
0: So um, Stephen A. Smith reported that Stephon Diggs wants out. And and I've said um, there are two kind of, quote, what you call diva receivers. And Mm -hmm. you don't see it as much today because I think there's so much money in it. Players want to win games. Uh, they don't feel like they constantly have to fight for the ball. The game's more wide open. They get the ball. Um, but there's like the Des Bryant, who was difficult from day one for Dak Prescott, was just loud. Now, he was – Jason Garrett once told me he fought like hell to keep him because he gave you eight to ten touchdowns. Okay. And then there's the Randy Mostafon Diggs, which is they're highly productive for three years. And then it's their personality. Um, they want more. Diggs has been targeted a lot. Highly productive. It's just his personality. And I've said, I I would go make the move for Randy Moss in his peak, and I'd make it for Stephon Diggs. I don't feel they're problematic. You get three years of productivity, and then their personality comes out. I can live with that. In this league, three years is forever. Mm-hmm. Legacies are formed. And so let's just play the game. Stephen A. Smith says he's unhappy, wants out. If that's true, is there a team or two that you just think of off the top of your head where you're like, Gosh, they just I mean, I obviously New England's clear, but right. I think they're trying to get value on every offensive player. Um, and there's not a lot of those with cap space. So you'd, yeah. you'd have to make it work via some trade. Is there any place digs would work to you?
1: Wow, um, it's a great question because unfortunately, if you take him away from his current team, one of the best places it loves to go all in right now is the Buffalo Bills, and that's the <laughs> strange thing, right? It's like if you were just saying taking the team out of it, you know what? The Bills signed Von Miller to huge contract. They've got you know certain cap situations where they need to win right now. They're the kind of team that does it. So if he's unhappy there, he's going to be ha- unhappy in a lot of places. A couple other teams like the Miami Dolphins—they love making aggressive moves. Well, they're full at wide receiver. They can't add right. another piece, and so you get to kind of the dregs a little bit. And he's going to go to a play. Does a team with a bad quarterback want to trade for Stefan Diggs? I don't think they do. Um, so it ends up being, you know, a couple of different places. But I, I just don't, I don't see a place where he'd be happy. Um, you know, does he want to go and play? You know, would, would he have taken the the Chicago Bears slot, you know, to be their star guy right. and try to resurrect that? I don't know. I mean, and if it's if it's a quarterback who can't get in the ball, does that make the expiration date on his happiness that much shorter um and maybe it's a place like carolina if he wants to reboot and play with the right quarterback i don't know but when you're going out of a a winning situation there aren't a lot of options for you um and the nfl is going to set your market pretty quickly and and i think that you know Buffalo, in general, has a lot of blow-up potential, but they could also win the Super Bowl. Um, and right. and I, think there, I think there are real questions. I was just listening to some of their beat guys at The Athletic talk about how there's still questions on the offensive line. Kair Elam, who's the first-round pick from a year ago, is just not taking the job the way the coaches want. There's some real holes in that roster, but then there's top, top, top-end talent. And that's why you need Stephon Diggs there. If I'm Brandon Bean, I'm doing nothing to move Stefan Diggs. I'm not going to ask for a trade. I'm going to try, try to do a last dance situation because you need that top end top end talent because you've missed on a handful of big roster decisions in the last couple of years and you went all, all in, maybe on guys like Von Miller where you shouldn't have. And so if I'm the Bills, I'm standing pat. I'm doing everything I can. I'm putting it on Josh Allen to make it work. Everybody needs to be happy because Stefan Diggs is the type of talent you have to have if they're going to win.
0: Well, certainly in the AFC where... Calvin Ridley now in Jacksonville. It's right. like, oh, he'll be a 120 catch guy. I just viewed the NFC so much differently than oh, the God. AFC. Like Jared Goff would get lost in the AFC. I look at him and I think, I've seen him go toe-to-toe with Mahomes on Monday Night Football. There will be Sundays. He's absolutely the best yep. quarterback in the NFC. Absolutely. And it's like, so when people say, do you buy into Detroit? I'm like, kind of. There's a lot. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, Goff. So let, let's talk about them because, you know, I, I was saying to Jason McIntyre today, I said, one of the things I have such great sympathy for young people is I was very lucky in my career. I got a couple of great first bosses. Let me make mistakes, let me grow. Jared Goff was a bust with Fisher and then got to a Super Bowl. His career was over like it was done with Fisher. He didn't know east from west where the sun set. It was like embarrassing when he was on hard knocks. And I and I always think to myself in basketball in soccer or basketball, talent is talent. You mm-hmm. Kobe would have found a home if he stayed in Charlotte. They didn't trade him, right? Like he was too good. International soccer, there's not many Messies. You'd find a club. So I look at golf and I think to myself, we're we're undervaluing him. He was a number one pick. He throws one of the best deep balls in the league. At the end, has he gotten 240 throws
1: without a pick? It's something absurd. Like, where do you land with Goff? I'm higher on him than most people. I I went on Bill Simmons' podcast this time last year, and Brad Holmes said to me, Jared Goff is not a stopgap and people were killing me in the quarterback in the Twitter mentions say, no, he's not. They're going to tank. They're going to get, you know, they're going to get Bryce Young. They're on the sweepstakes. And I, said, I promise you guys, they want to add quarterback last. They'd rather be like a Philadelphia Eagles type team where they build the stacked roster and let the quarterback develop kind of later. And then they're ready to go in year two of the quarterback in, in three, three or four years. I really like Jared Goff. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you know situation matters i've always said that's about the quarterback position geography is destiny man like D- drew Brees ending up in new orleans that was written in the stars patrick mahomes ending up in kansas city like that this, this stuff matters this stuff matters they, patrick mahomes and andy reed solved each other's problems andy reed couldn't finish the big game because of clock management patrick mahomes <laughs> said i will put you on my back and make sure that never happens again i win two super bowls late in the fourth quarter does not matter right For me, Jared Goff executes the offense. That's the one thing we always overlook. When I was on my camp tour, I was talking to guys. And you hear things about, like, Desmond Ritter. I don't think that highly of Desmond Ritter, but guess what he can do? He can run off the Smiths offense, and then that's a pretty good floor. He can hit these blind throws. He can just fire it in there. Coaches love Kirk Cousins. They just love Kirk Cousins. And when Kirk Cousins is available after this year, there's going to be a lot of Shanahan treatment guys spending a lot of money to get him in that building. Okay. Ryan Tannehill is another one where coaches just love the fact he can just fire a ball and they can run the offense. Jared Goff ran Ben Johnson's offense. Ben Johnson is one of the best uh, offensive coordinators in football, one of the best play callers. And he will be one of the best head coaching candidates this, this time next year if he wants to leave. Um, And the fact he can do that, the fact he can take advantage of the talent there, Brad Holmes is very quickly assembling a very good roster. I didn't love the draft, um, but it's funny. Someone the other day in the NFL comped Dan Campbell to somebody thought was funny. They said he's got the chance to be Midwest poor man's Mike Tomlin, which is tough team every single year, always competing. Maybe in Dan Campbell's case, especially with the quarterback, there's a ceiling. They're probably not going to win 14 games. But you know what else they're not going to do? Going forward, they're not going to win four. They're going to win a bunch of games are not supposed to. They're always going to be competitive. They're not going to quit. They're going to have an identity. And I think that's the most interesting thing about this Lions team. And Jared Goff is a part of that. There are guys in this Lions team who were not wanted elsewhere, and they turned that into something. Jared Goff is that. I think one day... Yeah, like if they're able to get trade up and, and get a, a Drake May, somebody like that, maybe you know, someone like Riley Leonard, you know, with with pick twenty or something next year, maybe we're talking about that. But I don't think they're in any rush. I mean, it was interesting because last year when I talked to Brad Holmes, he said that the, the rebuild and the teardown in the first year was almost accidental. Um, and he called the first year the HVAC year and the second year the chandelier year. Okay. And the third year now is, okay, we've got the house, we've got the house. And now they're going to try to figure out what that is. But guess what? Jared Goff's still in the house because he belongs in the house.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, yes, he need, he's better in a dome. Yes. He's not great in a muddy pocket. Folks. It's the exception to the guys that are like most guys need a cleaner pocket. This baseball season continues to heat up. You could watch it on TV, but what's better than going to the park on a beautiful summer day with friends for last minute, amazing deals on tickets. Check out Game Time, the fastest growing ticket app in the United States. And it doesn't stop at just sports, summer concerts, comedy tours, all across the country. Game Time has your tickets. Download the Game Time app, and the redeem code is Colin. That's me, C-O-L-I-N, $20 off your first purchase, 20 bucks, No matter where you live, go out, end the summer in style, comedy, baseball, concerts. It's the Game Time app. Last minute deals, lowest prices guaranteed, $20 off your first purchase. 20 bucks. Terms apply.
1: This is it. We've got an
0: Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the win unbelievable when you get travel perks with amex platinum you're part of the action that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com with amex hi let's talk about pro plan sport pro plan sport is advanced nutrition at ProPlanSport.com. That's ProPlanSport.com. So for years and years, I defended Russell Wilson, and I was hard on Pete (laughs) Carroll. I said, Pete's tone deaf, let's run on first and second, throw on third and five, uh, that he never gave Russell Wilson credit. But to his credit, he moved off him, uh, elevated, kind of resurrected Geno Smith's career, and they've hit home run after home run the last two drafts. What I think is interesting about Russell Wilson is <laughs> like the whole let's ride thing. <laughs> I'm not religious. I'm agnostic. Okay. I've always been agnostic. I didn't tro- grow up in a traditional church. And so not that I'm turned off by religion. I try to be open-minded, but it can be a tad cringy and judgmental to me. But I, when I hear that Russell Wilson is inauthentic, I think, hold on. Kirk Cousins... Derek Carr and Russell Wilson have deep religious conviction, and I think they're all authentic to who they are. I think they've given their life up, they believe, to religion. Um, I find Cousins incredibly likable on that Netflix special. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do think this is who Russell is. He's just, in, he's just insanely optimistic, and I think there's so much snark in social media, people see it as inauthentic. And yeah. it's like, no, good people who are highly optimistic, they still exist and one quarterback's the Broncos. That's really who he is. <laughs> how do how I mean it's like it's not cool to be optimistic, right? Derek Carr's not cool. It's funnier to be Jim McMahon, snarkier. Right. I
1: get Jay Cutler.
0: Aaron Rodgers is cool. Where do you land? on russell wilson i
1: have spent time with him um a limited a limited amount of time i've never done like the the two hour long profile or whatever but he's been on my show a couple times i've done some print pieces with him i think he's an interesting guy um i think that he's got a grand plan of how he views his life and i think sometimes players can be kind of turned off by that if they think that there is something beyond the locker room or whatever but i will say this um, first of all, outside interests are frowned upon in in, in in a lot of locker rooms to begin with, right? If you're right. If you, it, it, that's that's the thing. And the one thing you should overemphasize is weight room study habits, all that stuff. And from what I understand, Russell Wilson does emphasize those things, and he works his ass off, and he always has. And I, from, from what I understand, he's always put ball first. Okay. And so I think a lot of the criticism is outside noise that then becomes inside noise. Um, Or, I mean, first of all, obviously there was some, some tension with the Legion of Boom, which has been well-documented, but this offensive versus defensive tension on a lot of teams, Um, especially after you go yeah. through something as traumatic as that yes. goal line thing, that's just going to linger. I've said this a million times. The amount of fractured locker rooms, the amount of quote-unquote distractions in every building that never leak would shock you. Um, you know, Somebody was talking to me the other day, actually, about the the Digs thing. And I said that, you know, the only teams that really get distracted are bad teams, right? Good teams. You know, the Seahawks, I think, had two fistfights the week, the, the week they won the Super Bowl and everybody just kept it moving. <laughs> the only time it matters is when you have a bunch of bad players and they start playing bad and people start to point the distractions, right? And somebody from an NFL team called me and said, you are so right. And with somebody from a good team and they said, the amount of times it'll be, oh my God, you won't believe what happened at four in the morning with this these three players and then they wouldn about 40 points happens all the time never comes out never comes out and so your your problems and your distractions only become an issue once you become bad and that's bad for Russell Wilson over the past 12 12 months because he doesn't have the legs to hold on to the ball anymore um, he doesn't have the athleticism that he used to can't go downfield. And so now it becomes, oh, Russell Wilson doesn't fit in a locker room because he has an extra office. Or Russell Wilson, uh, you know, is going through his own walkthroughs without the coaches and that's why he's bad. No, 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 no. He was doing all sorts of weird crap in Seattle. He just got away with it because he played well. That's all that matters. As you've said many times, it's the great, winning is the great deodorant. Quarterbacks the great deodorant. You play well, everything gets solved. And so your foibles come out more in Denver. People don't know him. Um, the community doesn't know him, they're not going to protect him, and so it just comes out now that he's a weirder guy because there's not a fan base that's ready to defend him. I believe Sean Payton is going to help that team. I was looking at some of the numbers, the false start penalties were just ridiculous last year. The pre snap stuff crazy like all Sean Payton needs to do is run the offense with more tempo. Get whoever was doing the false starts, get them out of there, or teach them the snap count. Do one of one of those two things, and you'll be able to win a couple more games. Clock management, decision making. I really do think Sean Payton is going to be able to fix the Broncos really easily, and then the, the assumption then is that Russell Wilson at least gets fixed a little Finally, bit alongside Kevin that. Kevin Clark,
0: senior football writer, analyst, the Ringer. Finally, there's always a bad team that has a good year. Mm-hmm. Mines Carolina. I think their front seven's really good defensively. Mm-hmm. Frank Reich has made Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz very quickly, more efficient. I think Bryce Young's really smart and will adapt very quickly. Small, ceiling lower, really bright, high school, college, figure stuff out. Um, wonky division. Carolina's going to be a wild card playoff team. That's my bad team that's better than you think. Give me yours.
1: Right division, wrong team. So, first of all, the NFC South has the easiest schedule in football, okay? Elect- yes. By far. The Saints are, like, lapping the field with easy schedule by, by Vegas win total. It's going to be the Atlanta Falcons, though, uh, who are right behind them um, in, in easy schedule, but are a better team, better coaching staff, better infrastructure, more talent. Bijan Robinson is a portal towards actual positionless football, which Arthur Smith wants to build. Desmond Ritter, as I said earlier, can execute the offense. There's talent everywhere they took their medicine with dead cap charges which a lot of good teams have been able to do in the last couple of years they basically flushed the entire roster and all the cap problems so i'm expecting a huge jump forward i think arthur smith and and his schemes you won't talk about a floor his schemes and the stuff that he's able to do with his offense that should get you seven to eight wins by itself just the way he runs the offense kind of what we're talking about with zach taylor like he just understands how this goes and so now there's confidence there I like them. I like them more. I think you know the, the track record for for rookie quarterbacks going with winning seasons is is actually quite low. Um, I was looking through some gambling numbers over the, the past couple of days. It's not a great track record. Um Desmorder being in his second year, maybe I like that a little bit more. Bryce Young, I, I love the guy, but him just adjusting to the league, uh, the offensive line, all of that stuff. I just have more questions there. And I think it's gonna take an extra year.
0: Kevin Clark, it's a pleasure. It's night where you're at. Um, it is, uh, d- 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 we just got through a, we in LA yesterday, earthquake, tornado warnings, and a tropical storm.
1: And it's already sunny. It's already sunny there. <laughs> it you'll is. Be, you'll be happy to know this is the first media head I've ever done after putting my son to bed. And so I, I was all dressed. I had the shirt on uh, under this blazer, nothing but spit up nothing but spin off and so that's uh a lesson learned i will now be be getting my uh my, my my media outfit on after teddy clark goes to bed
0: good seeing you buddy thanks anytime pal the volume terms rev up your thrills this summer at cedar point on the all-new top thrill 2. drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple launch vertical speedway and now for a limited time get more cedar point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just 49.99 get admission parking and all-day drinks for one low price But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.